everyone. It's John Otterstead, Bobby Darren with the Scarlet Nation podcast post signing day special few days past the early signing period. And we're here just to talk about Rutgers recruiting, how things are going this year, where it needs to go in the coming weeks heading into that second signing period. So, Bobby, let's just jump right in there. Uh, give me your just grand overview of where we are in the world of Rutgers recruiting, particularly with a focus on how things panned out last week. I think things panned out really well. I mean, you know, one and eleven season, and you finish strong, keeping all the, the the top commits that you had in your class, and not to mention adding a few more very good ones at the end. I mean, Aaron Young really capped it off. That was kind of the icing on the cake. One of the best commits of the Ash era, and it happened in dramatic fashion on the the first day of the early signing period. I mean, we should probably just call it signing day now because it essentially just took over as the big day. Um, but I think they finished really strong, and, and considering they went 1-11, and uh, you have to take your hat off to Ash on that one. Uh, you know, he's really starting to uh, maybe come out of his shell as a recruiter because – in the past, I didn't hear as many rave reviews about him in the closing process. And, you know, he really, uh, you know, kind of stepped up his game the, on the official visits. The players helped immensely. And um, it, it was really a great finish for Rutgers to this uh, recruiting cycle. Now, from a national rankings perspective, I still notice that you know, Rutgers is not finishing very strong compared to perhaps some of the top teams in the league, some of the top teams in the country. Does this class help inch them forward? Is it, is it underrated? Is it you know, not where they need to be? I guess, you know, fans right now listening, they probably just want some sense of whether this class is going to push Rutgers to that next level or whether we're going to see some struggles moving forward. I mean, I think this class will help them progress. And why? Because you have some people that can come in and contribute immediately. You have some junior college guys who are going to play a big part in the equation. A guy like Aaron Young and K. Ron Adams are, are going to run the football for Rutgers, um, going to be a big part of their future. Uh, and you're going to see some grad transfers down the line, um, you know, before uh, February hits. Um, so, Rutgers is looking for some guys to make an immediate impact, you know, bringing in Drew Singleton. They're hoping he can provide some help at the linebacker position. Um, I, I think this class will help that progress. It, it will continue to build the depth, give Rutgers some playmakers. Um, you know, a guy like Isaiah Washington is a wide receiver. They haven't had in a while with a big body who can move. Um, you know, all that stuff is building. Look, they're not going to win the Big Ten championship on this class, but they're going to get progressively better. And I think that's what you want to see. You want to see progress. You want to see those steps being taken and how it will translate into wins next season. I don't know that just yet, but uh, I can definitely see them improving. I have to say, if nothing else, I just really enjoy watching Chris Ash grow as a coach, as a recruiter, because really the strategy one year changes to the next year. It seems, and we've said this on the podcast before, he seems to be a guy who learns from his mistakes and is not afraid to turn around and go in a different direction. This year is evidenced by the diving into the junior college ranks, perhaps the increased focus on graduate transfers, which Rutgers has not shied away from the past. But you know, my thought is, is probably going to even hear a lot more about graduate transfers in the coming weeks. What are your thoughts on those angles in terms of recruiting, going for the freshman true freshmen, you know, kids who are seniors in high school, as opposed to going towards the guys who are a little bit older, the transfers, the grad transfers, the junior college transfers. 
Well, I think it's a good idea because you have some positions of immediate need. And, you know, it's great to bring in a true freshman, but, you know, it's very rare for those true freshmen to come in and make a, a significant impact right away. It just takes an adjustment period for a lot of guys to, you know, acclimate to the college game. So uh, you need some of those guys in certain positions to, to come in and help solidify certain units. I mean, talk about the offensive line. Uh, Chris Ash brought in a uh, Amari Cooper is a junior college guy. He's going to look at a grad transfer offensive lineman. You may have two new starting offensive linemen. Then you have the rest of that bunch battling it out for the other few spots. So uh, it creates better competition. It gives you better players. And look, if you can't control the line of scrimmage, I don't care how many playmakers you have, they're all for naught. So um, I think his ability to to see those deficiencies and address them shows, like you said, a, a tremendous amount of growth. And, and Chris Ash is the type of guy who, if something doesn't work, he's not going to wallow over it. He's all right. Who's next? You know, it's not like, oh, we lost this guy, you know, woe is me type of attitude. He's like, all right, who's next on the board? Let's get this done. You know what I mean? Very business like and focused in that regard. Now, if you dip into that world of junior college transfers and grad transfers too much, I guess, don't you kind of hurt yourself moving forward one year down the road, two years down the road where you have to keep going to the well again to fill up your upperclassmen ranks? Well, I think the key is recruiting well. If you recruit young guys who can develop, you're not going to need those um, grad transfers and junior college guys. Um, you know, you still go out and you recruit your, your freshmen, but, you know, you give them a couple years to develop. You let them redshirt for a year. And, and as long as you can do that, three years from now, you're not going to need to go to that graduate transfer junior college well. So these are kind of stop gaps for problems now, but you continue to develop your players, your young players, and they have a significant mountain this, in this class. So, you know, it, it's all about the development of those players when you look ahead and say, are they going to continue this route? Bobby, when you look at the past, you know, the past couple of years and see the struggles Rutgers has had, Obviously, they've had an issue at quarterback. They've had an issue at wide receiver. They've had an issue at offensive line and some other issues too. But on that offensive side of the ball, if you were to replace one of the units with national championship caliber guys, which would have moved the needle the most in terms of Rutgers being able to score and move the ball? So like, if you put a top level quarterback in there with the rest of the guys that they've had, or if you put top offensive linemen in there, top wide receivers in there. Like, which is the one that's hurt Rutgers the most and which is the one, and it's probably the same, that if they put an influx of talent in will make Rutgers progress the most? Well, I would say offensive line because if you can run the football, it opens everything else up. Um, and, and you don't need – I mean, look at Wisconsin. You know, it, it's they have good running backs, but, you know, take some of those guys that get 2,000 yards out there and put them in a different offense. They're not going to get 2,000 yards every year. It's a product of that offense. And, uh, you know, not to take away anything from a guy like Jonathan Taylor, but if he came to Rutgers – he wasn't going to get 2,000 yards, you know what I mean? Because it was a different offensive line. You take that line and, and it just makes everybody look better. If you can pound the football, uh, you wear the defense down. And, and even if you don't have the best quarterback, it opens things up. Um, you know, it, it creates better matchups for the receivers. And, you know, you can control the clock. You have your defense off the field more. They're fresher. They can play better. Um, 
to me, the key is the whole key is offensive line. So if Rutgers can solidify that unit next year, you know, they, they could start running the football and, and grinding our clock. And, 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 you know, it might not have the most, you know, high powered offense in terms of scoring, but it'll be efficient. It'll control the clock. It'll allow the defense to get what they have to do done because they're rested. Um, they're not out there every three, four plays. Um, so I, to me, that's the biggest key. At the running back position next year with the freshmen that are coming in, as well as Pacheco and, you know, Blackshear and the other gentleman that Rutgers has on the bench, you have to think if they can shore up that offensive line that some good things can happen. Yeah, and, and it's it's a really exciting running back contingent. You talk about Pacheco and, and Blackshear, you saw what they can do, and then you bring in K. Ron Adams and Aaron Young, and these are guys that can play right away. It will give uh, John McNulty the ability to to use Raheem Blackshear more in the passing game. Um, he could become your best weapon in that in that regard. So uh, it, it could be really exciting if if they can establish you know some some strength at the line of scrimmage. They could they could do a lot of good things, and to me, that's really what your focus should be on. Because you have running backs who can get the job done. Uh, you just have to give them a little bit of room to run. We'll talk about that offensive line for next year. Can you kind of place where things are trending right now with returning players as well as incoming players? And of course, the recruiting class isn't done yet, but uh, just from where everything stands right now. Well, one of the most interesting facets of it is bringing in Amari Cooper. He's, you know, they're, they're going to try him at left tackle, but you watch his film, even talk when I spoke to his offensive line coach at San Diego Mesa College, he doesn't look like a, a left tackle. He's a, he's a right tackle. I mean, that's, that's what he's best suited to play. So I think they're going to go out and grab a left tackle as a grad transfer. What does that mean for the O-line? That means Kamal Seymour. Do you move him inside or, or do you just put him on the bench as a backup? Um, I would try him out at guard. He seems better suited to play guard. He's good against the run, uh, struggles, you know, against edge rushers. And uh, you've seen that. And, uh, you know, if you give him a chance to play one of those guard spots, then you have Jonah Jackson at another guard spot. And you have about six other guys that you can move around. Mike Maetti's at center, but you can always put Jonah Jackson at center if you like another guard. They like Reggie Sutton. Um, he's, he's very promising. Uh, you saw Zach Vanessi start last year. You had Nick Crimmon in there. You had, you had a bunch of guys. So you figure if you have five or six of those guys battling for one or two spots, somebody should – be able to step up and play well, but Jonah Jackson's a solid in there. I, I would like to think Ramari Cooper would be uh, whoever that grad transfer slide in at left tackle. If you could put Kamal Seymour at a guard, then like I said, you have five or six guys competing for one spot. Um, you know, it, it should, it should be an improved line should be. All right, cool. Well, let's go down the list of some of the new names that jumped out on the uh, commitment list this past week. Uh, you mentioned Omari Cooper. Let's talk about Devin Baldwin, six foot five, two hundred sixty pound defensive end at a Southfield High, Michigan. What can you tell me about him? Big kid, just kind of you know overpowers a lot of guys. Uh, he's not the, the the explosive Kamoko Seymour type or Kamoko. I'm sorry, I'm screwing up my names. Kamoko Ture type, um, you know, where he's just going to wow you with the with the quick get off off the ball but you know powerful kid big kid I mean you talk about bringing a 6'5 260 kid as a true freshman um you know you could do a lot of things with that I mean I, I don't know where he winds up if, if he if he winds up inside you have the capability of doing that because he's so big but um you know getting those big bodies is is important he's a he's a very physical kid, plays fast, uh, high motor. Um, I, I like him. You know, he was committed to Western Michigan, but I, I thought he probably could have gotten some better offers had he stayed on the open market a little longer. But uh, very high upside for him. I'm a big fan of the 
you know, strategy of going out and looking at what other teams have already reeled in and trying to pick off some of their better players. Rutgers has seen that happen to them year after year after year. And if I was a, you know, Rutgers coach, I would just wait until all these other programs, particularly the ones down in Florida, mined through the top talent in their area. And then, you know, see who wants to jump off that team and come play for in the Big Ten. You never know. UCF has made a living down there recently, finding the under-recruited guys in Florida. Obviously, it's a better program than Rutgers right now, but, you know, they're never going to play for a national championship down there, given the way things are. Maybe a couple of those guys would want to jump up and play for Rutgers. Um, when we talk about strategies in recruiting and how Chris Ash is mining junior colleges, mining the transfer market, the graduate transfer market, um, you know, going for these guys who are committed elsewhere, probably not a bad strategy. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody's fair game until they sign. So it, 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 it happens everywhere. People do it to Rutgers, you know, they've, they've done it to other people or other teams. Um, so, you know, it's part of the game now. It's kind of a given that a guy's going to be still recruited, especially if he's a, a good player, up until the, the, you know, the signing day, the early signing period, whatever. But I, I like the strategy. If we could go, you know, you could call it, uh, you know, poaching the schools. You could be John the Poacher. Right. right. But, you know, <laughs> and Rutgers has poached before in the past, but it always seemed like they were trying to poach from Division One AA teams. And that never really uh, got the fans too excited. Whereas, you know what, being in the Big Ten, you can poach from the MAC schools and, you know, the AAC pro programs and, you know, who knows? I, just just another strategy. But anyway, let's move down. Montario Hunt, six foot one, 185 pound wide receiver, Northern Mississippi Community College. What can you tell me about him? Well, Montario still needs to have his... his uh academic stuff, you know, transfer in and, and all the paperwork stuff has to go in. We'll, we'll, we'll know on a final decision for that around January 6th or 7th, around that date. And things look promising. You know, I don't think Rutgers would have accepted his commit if, if things were that far off. But, you know, just a footnote that there's there's still some paperwork that has to go through. But um, I like him. You know, tough kid. Uh, went to Marshall, played, you know, as a true freshman. But, um, you know, had some academic issues from all that I've learned about him, you know, good kid and talking to him, you know, he just he just had some academic slip ups his first year, uh, went to community college, got this thing straightened out. And, you know, he's a guy that can come in and contribute right away. I mean, this was a kid who was ranked, you know, in the top 15 in the state of Mississippi as a, a high school senior. So this, this kid's got ability and, um, you know, gives you a big target that that is experienced, tough kid. Um, I, I think he does a, a lot of things well. I don't think he's, you know, where you're Leonte Carew, where you can point to one thing and say, man, this guy's just going to run by everybody, but um, can definitely come in and contribute and, and help solidify that wide receiving core. Because, I mean, you know, you have some returning guys who've played, but, you know, you saw what happened last year. They really had trouble getting separation downfield. So I don't think anybody's job safe going into the year. You know, why not? put Montario Hunt and Isaiah Washington out there, you know, as your first two receivers, if they're capable enough, you know what I mean? I'm not saying they will be, but you know, nobody's safe. Right. Right. All right. TJ Robinson, six foot three, 181 pound safety from Riverview high in Florida. You know, another Florida kid, big kid, um, long, uh, you know, he's a bigger safety, six foot three, uh, gets to the ball really well, has a knack for, for getting to the ball. Um, 
you know, and he was a Minnesota commit. You talk about poaching from other schools, you know, th- those two kind of were, were not on the same page towards the end. You hear one version, the school says one thing, the kid says the other, whatever happened, they disbanded. But this kid was a big 10 commit for a significant amount of time. So it's not like you're poaching from, you know, you had just mentioned the, the New Hampshire's of the world or the Delaware's or, you know, whatever other one double a, um, this is a, you know, a quality kid. I mean, you know, and getting back into Florida, it's exciting because they got so much talent there. I mean, this kid not only has talent, he plays against talented teams. Like they play all year round. I mean, football is, it doesn't end for these guys. So um, bringing up TJ is, is going to help provide some help at the safety position. And, and he's a guy who can come in and contribute early. They, they need some guys at that spot. Right, right. All right. So we, Obviously, we don't really need to mention Aaron Young. There isn't much that hasn't been said about him already. So let's just jump over to Johnny Langan, uh, the transfer from Boston College. You know, Bobby, I, I live nearby where Langan played, and I didn't see him as a kind of guy who would thrive in a pro style. Um, but perhaps, you know, just what I saw from him in high school, different offense. What do you see for him moving forward at Rutgers? Good question. You know, first, is he going to be eligible this year? Second, where's he going to play? Um, if he comes in and is eligible, gets that waiver, um, which the NCC is being a little, the NCAA is being a, a little more liberal with, um, if he gets that, he would come in and, and play quarterback, obviously, because there's depth issues. Uh, how, how he plays there will determine his future. I mean, if he settles in and does well, then, you know, hey, he's there. If not, you can move him to tight end. You can move him to linebacker. I mean, there's a lot of places you can play him. He's not guaranteed uh, that he's going to be a quarterback for the duration of his career. But I, I think, you know, first hurdle you have to clear is getting that waiver. And then right away you need help at the at the quarterback position. So you see what he can do. And it's one of those situations where you say it really will be settled on the field. Um, a lot of people think he will move positions. Um, I'm not one to Would spec- he have even come? Like, would he have even come if Rutgers told him we might move you? Don't you think at this point they're saying we're all in on you as a quarterback? You know, <laughs> or have or have they told him? I you know I'm I haven't been too up on his recruiting situation. Has Rutgers told him that? Well, you know, uh, the future's the thing, up in the air. The thing about Chris Ash is he's not going to promise anybody. He'll say you'll have a chance to compete. You know, you want to play quarterback, you're going to get a chance to compete for the quarterback position, and his play will determine whether or not he stays there or he, or he moves. Now, look, the coaching staff's not going to keep a guy there who is is in, insufficient or incapable of playing the position is just not doing well again they're not going to move him if the guy is capable so it's really in his hands so i then that's what chris ash is telling guys you know you have the chance to start we're not going to promise you to start but you'll have that opportunity so it's up to him how, how he handles it and if he doesn't you have an option in other positions but um i think the thought was to come in and bring you know some depth to the quarterback position, which obviously is sorely needed, but I don't think they, they promised them the world. They just promised them the opportunity. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Bobby, what is your best storyline of the recruiting period so far? Um, I, I just think it's the way they finished, um, you know, holding on to Karon Adams, holding on to Zucuro Iguanagu. Um, and then finishing with five guys that joined the program on signing day. I, I don't remember a time when they had five commits on a signing day. I mean, this is like 
it's a big deal. And in the last 12, 13 years, you know, you had one or two maybe commits on signing day. Uh, you had, you know, Pat Kivelhan and Marcus Cooper were late additions. You know, the one year Caleb Johnson committed to one year was a big deal. You know, Khalil, Khalil Glaude flipped the coin and went to Rutgers. But five guys on, on one day announced. I mean, some of them told Rutgers the night before, the day before, whatever. But to have them officially announced for the first time that they're coming to Rutgers on signing day um, or the early signing period, whatever you want to call it, it's a big deal, and, and especially when you get a guy like Aaron Young to cap it off. Uh, to me, that's the story. I mean, you finish strong with five guys and, you know, keep your other ones that, that, that were maybe, you know, thinking about leaving. That's a heck of a, a finish. Yeah, I mean, then you add in the dipping down into Florida, the junior colleges. Um, you know, there, there just seems to be a lot of interesting storylines from a fan perspective is. to follow along with this year. Yeah, and you, you, you know, I, I – I was just going to say, too bad the team didn't do better in the fall, because if they did better in the fall, the fan interest would have still been that, you know, obviously a lot of guys have written off Rutgers. Uh, We've seen it. People said, hey, you know, I'll come back to following Rutgers once the team shows some life on the field. And unfortunately, you know what? They didn't do it on the field this year, but on the recruiting trail, there are a lot of fun things to keep following. And I wish more people stuck around to follow that element of it, because it was a as you said, just a really great way to end the the initial recruiting period. And, and you know, they did uh, kind of turn it around defensively. I mean, you know, those last few games with any semblance of offense should have beaten Penn State and Michigan State and, and Northwestern even. Um, so if you get yourself an offensive line that can start moving people around and establish the running game and your defense continues to play like that, you know, there's a chance they could win some games. So it, it's now it's just a matter of Chris Ash shows shown that he can coach defense. He took the clipboard away from Jay Neiman halfway through the year. You saw the changes. This team played a lot better defensively. And, you know, it wasn't like he, you know, brought in a bunch of new guys. He just, you know, schemed better and, and, and whatever he did defensively, it worked, um, you know, in, in behind closed doors, I mean. But, you know, as far as that offense goes, you have to do something. I mean, I know Art Sikowski's the future and all, but, you know, it, it was rough watching that offense this year. So I think that was an area of concentration, too, in this offseason for, for recruiting purposes, you know, try and get an offense together and, and help support a defense who showed, you know, marginal improvement. Looking ahead to next year, which of these recruits that they've signed early so far are you most excited to see? Um, I, you know, I, I hate to, you know, be the dead horse, but, you know, Aaron Young is a guy who <laughs> can come in and make an instant impact. I mean, he, he was just, you know, in high school, it was only like he was on another level. So when, when you cut, when you watch him, I think he's going to come in and, and just, you know, tear things up. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see Isaiah Washington out there. I, like I said, Rutgers, remember when they had the big receivers with the Brandon Coleman's and the Mark Harrison's Tim Wright's, you know, uh, he's built in that mold. You know, they, one of those bigger receivers that they really haven't seemed to have in the last few years. Uh, I'm curious to see how he plays. Um, Amari Cooper should help solidify that offensive line. Um, I think, you know, he, you bring a junior college guy in, you're not bringing him in to sit the bench. So um, I'm curious to see how he plays as well. Um, K-Ron Adams is another guy who really turned things up as a senior. And if he had the type of year he had as a 
if his senior year took place his junior year, I, I think he would have had offers from all over the country. It's just a matter of those classes filling up and not being able to, you know, have room for these guys. You saw Iowa showing late interest. Uh, Michigan State started showing some, which is another reason why uh, the staff wanted to keep Aaron Young so quiet is because they know, you know, Michigan State could have turned around and, and said, all right, well, we're going to go after K. Ron Adams if you want to do that. So um, it, kudos to the staff, too, for being able to keep all that under wraps and, and having Aaron Young on campus with his brother, um, you know, in the weeks leading up to the early signing period was a big plus. But, um, I, you know, excited to see a lot of these guys perform next year. I think that's one of the best parts of camp is seeing, um, you know, these recruits, how they start to acclimate, even though it's still early. But, you know, you talk about them, you watch their film and you try to evaluate them. Then when they step on the college field, it's really fun to see how they, they perform. Right. Now, I think one of the most exciting things about this early signing period is that it's not over. There's another one coming up. What do you think we can expect or what should we expect in the coming weeks out of Rutgers? Um, I think it's real heavy on grad transfers. You know, uh, they want another defensive back. Um, you're looking at, you know, offensive line, defensive tackle, tight end. Um, those are the top positions. I could see them even looking at quarterbacks if there's somebody decent available. You, you have to have some depth, somebody with some experience behind Sikowski. He could go down on a second play of the year, you know, with it, with an injury. And who do you have? So I, I think those areas are really going to be explored. You know, there's, there's not going to be much in the way of um, – you know, high school recruiting. I mean, they'll, they'll recruit some guys and what have you, but I, I think you're going to see a big push towards grad transfers. All right. Well, Bobby, we're going to end it right there. We're going to, I don't know, for those of you who are listening, obviously you haven't heard a lot from us in recent weeks on the podcast. Uh, definitely been having some technical difficulties. We are not uh, forgetting about you. And it's funny, Bobby and I probably spent the previous hour prior to recording this, just trying to work those out. We hope to have more frequent podcasts and uh, definitely keep things going straight through the off season. We'll talk some hoops coming forward um, and just keep things focused on next football season too. So uh, Bobby, before we go, any uh, last thoughts you have about the world of Rutgers sports, basketball, football, recruiting, anything? I think football's on its, on its way up. Um, you know, I, halfway through the year, I had almost written them off too. You know, you're watching games and just see them get thumped and thumped and thumped. But you see some life at the end of the year in, in the defense. And, you know, this recruiting finish for Chris Ash is, is very promising. And, and if they can ride this momentum, get some grab transfers, I, I, I think you could see him finally turning things around and, and you know, kind of erasing the bad memory of last year. Uh, in terms of hoops, I think it's going to be a rough road uh, ahead with this Big Ten schedule. Uh, you know, I think the next next year when when they get Jacob Young and Paul Mulcahy, that's that's going to be more of a year, and they can win some games. But uh, you know, it's going to be a rough road for for the Rutgers hoops moving forward. Oh my God, I had so much hope for Rutgers basketball this year. I was with everyone saying, "Hey, it's going to be a rough season. Don't expect much more than twelve wins." But then they came out strong in the early going, and I was kind of uh, forgetting what I said previously and starting to think that maybe they could. Uh, you know, win as many games as they lose and really show some more promise. But like you said, I, I, I'm on the team's bad wagon. I love what I hear about Mulcahy and uh, Jacob Young for next year. So I know next year is going to be a better season. I believe in Peichel. I think he's a, the right man for the job, but um, it's been tough watching. But particularly, you know what? If, if they didn't have that Fordham slip up, I still would be on the bandwagon. <laughs> and that that one that one hurt, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it showed some of their deficiencies. And, and sometimes, you know, they're asking certain guys to play roles that maybe it's a little too much for them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and bottom line is you got to put the ball in the hole consistently. And, and I think their defense has to be more consistent as well because Steve Peichel built this team on the premise of strong defense and, and they just can't afford to come out and have weak efforts defensively. Uh, you lost a lot of toughness last year from Mike Williams. Um, even Corey w- w- was a tough player to Sean Freeman. I mean, those are three big parts of the program. Um, that they had and, and they are now without. So uh, I think they're starting to feel that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I did, I wrote, posted this on the message board because knowing how Rutgers is struggling from the line and struggling from three point, I just wanted to get a sense of, you know, wh- what are the, what can we realistically expect in terms of improvement from this year to next year? So I went down the line. I looked up, I don't know, 50, 75 guys from across the country who were juniors and seniors and obviously this was not an exhaustive search and not scientific in any way, but, you know, do guys improve their free throw shooting to the level that Rutgers needs their players to improve? Do they improve their three point shooting? And unfortunately I found aside from a marginal improvement from freshman to sophomore year on a handful of guys, um, you know, the, the improvement is not that people don't grow in terms of their percentage to the degree that I was hoping. And, uh, you know, they might score more points because as they get older, they're they're more featured to the offense um, and they'll take more shots. But I think it goes back to recruiting. And I think Rutgers has to start recruiting guys who can hit the, the three-pointer better, recruit guys who have better free throw percentage, um, as opposed to what I think we all do every year is say, hey, you know, think of when you think about years ago. Every year, someone say, hey, is there a free throw guru Rutgers could work with in the offseason? And thinking that perhaps they'd go from, you know, up to 80% free throw shooting in, in one year if they had that. But I'm not so optimistic that that will occur. What do you think? <laughs> you know, I, I think improving your free throw game just comes with practice. I mean, if you shoot thousand shots a day, you're going to get better. I mean, it's up to the guys to improve. Some of them just, you know, I, I, and when it comes to shooting, it's tough to really make dramatic improvements. I mean, you saw Eugene Omiuri make some improvements this year, but he was a decent shooter to begin with, just never did it. He kind of refocused his energy on that, but it's tough to really say, all right, if from your sophomore to junior year, you're going to, you know, be, become a great three point shooter. You know, you, you just have to recruit guys who can put the ball in the hole consistently and, and have a quick release, not somebody, you know, is going to take their time and because the defense flies at you at this level um you know it, it comes down to recruiting like you said and the, and the three guys that i mentioned who are gone from this year's team were not guys that steve peichel brought in so you know he's going to have to up his game when it comes to recruiting all right well we're going to end it there everyone thank you so much for listening today thank you so much for being part of the scarletnation.com community we hope to see you at an upcoming game. We're going to uh, be planning a kind of a, a bar night. Um, we're not sure whether it's going to be um, for a home game or an away game, but we'll update you on that. Stay tuned to the message board. And uh, of course, just keep it on the site all this off season. We can't wait to bring you Rutgers coverage 365 days a year. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you.